0: Hello friends, Welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Shop Talk, Mike and I talk about science. We talk about the history of science, why science is important, and we define what science actually means. We talk about some of the limitations of science when it comes to studying humans, and we finish with talking about how anyone can apply scientific principles in their day-to-day life to help them determine good information from bad information. There was a lot to cover, but I hope we conveyed the important points and that you find the information useful. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by TFC shop, your one-stop shop for natural footwear that doesn't mess up your feet for foot health accessories and for balance beams. Our goal with TFC shop is to only feature products that are well-made that help you improve your body and to deliver the best purchase experience possible. We're continually working to improve our customer service as we grow. And we're thankful to anyone that supports TFC with their purchases, check out TFC shop.com to check out what we offer. This episode of The Audio Project is also brought to you by The Roasters Pack. Our team at the TSC head office are big fans of coffee, and this unique Canadian company provides a subscription service that delivers you three great coffees to your door each month and also gives you the story behind each of the craft roasters that the beans come from. You can check out theroasterspack.com and use the code FOOT at checkout for 7 bucks off your first month of any subscription. Subscriptions start at 27 a month all in, including shipping and taxes, which is less than a buck per cup, so it's actually a really great deal. Uh, lastly, our this episode is sponsored by our travel partner Nanook Protective Hard Cases, which we use to transport electronics to and from our seminars, workshops. Uh, they make super high quality cases in Canada that can keep your electronics safe during travel, and you can check out their cases at nanuk.com, n-a-n-u-k.com. That's it for sponsors. So let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project it's a collective effort help people understand their bodies starting at the feet are the gateway for people to see that there's an issue you know a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation hey folks nick and mike here back for another episode of shop talk today's episode is all about science and the scientific method um we're going to start by defining some terms we'll talk about the history of science talk about why science is important and also some limitations of science um in terms of how it's being used today and We just feel that there's a, you know, science is very important uh, from a conceptual point of view and shaping your thinking and um, learning new knowledge. But I think a lot of people's perception of science is a little bit skewed. So we want to kind of clear the air. Um, This is an important topic at TFC because it really is one of the guiding principles or the guiding principle in how we acquire knowledge that we eventually teach. And there's kind of a series of of phases you go through to test it, make sure it's accurate, and uh, we want to go through the elements that are important in in kind of the scientific method and how you can apply them, not to do scientific experiments yourself, but perhaps using a more scientific approach to just day-to-day thinking. So let's start by let's start by talking about the history of science and i know you've got a bunch of stuff uh that you looked up and i th- i think the history of science is kind of cool because it it almost contextualizes why science is so important is why it first started up so let's start there
1: yeah i think one of the reasons for doing this topic was we were talking about this the i don't know i think it was a few weeks ago and like I don't think that when people talk about science, I don't think they're actually on the same page with what they're actually talking about. A lot of people, yeah. So I think that, and then I realized that oh I don't where do, I was like where did science come from? And I've learned some of it in when you take like every science course you take in university, they'll do go through a little bit of a history for that specific topic. So yeah. you kind of learn all about the scientific method and and all of that. The it's always the first chapter in the textbook, but. I think going a little deeper, it's like what is where did it come from, and then comparing that to how it is today, and then what people think of it as today as it is today. So yeah, because it's
0: it's it's veered off the path that it initially was there for, right? It's like anything you can if you apply money and you apply uh, incentives to to something, then it can often take a weird direction and kind of a weird U turn and end up somewhere that it wasn't supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And I think in you know with today with so many people. Like we have, I think science today is more important than it ever has been before, right? Sure. Um, because we have so much information available to us. We have this uh, unlimited amounts of information available to us. We have people trying to battle for our attention and and, and tell us things that will grab our attention, right? This whole clickbait or headline um, problem. And so, you know, everyone needs to have a stronger bullshit detector today than ever before. And I think science gives a really good platform to get people better able at kind of evaluating objectively whether something is true or carries meaning or not. I mean, first of all, if you hear about something scientific on Facebook, it's probably it's probably not the full story, right? No, so headlines are not a good place for, <laughs> to, take, to take away, you know, these overarching truths. But um, yeah, we want to arm people with a better understanding of what science is and kind of rescue the definition of science and also... Just allow people to use science in their day to day lives because it really is a powerful tool.
1: So we'll get into some of the definitions later, but I think uh, just a broad, basic definition of it, um, really, what science is, is the pursuit of knowledge, and that's what it has. That's how it first came about: is that pursuit of of knowledge, specifically about the natural world or about the universe. Mm -hmm. So knowledge about things that are around us. Um, So trying to make sense of the world, basically. Exactly. So. If you look way back in its history, it's been around for thousands of years. Even in ancient Egypt, there was uh, ways of doing science. The Greeks uh, termed natural philosophy as what they, before science was actually a term, natural philosophy existed for uh, a long period of time. So, and basically, uh, philosophy is the study of fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and experience. So, philosophy is an important aspect and it it goes hand in hand with science Mm -hmm. Um, and that's actually how science where science spawned out of so um, that kind of continued for a while this natural philosophy and natural philosophy is just like knowledge about the natural world Um, along the way there was different thinkers and there's some prominent figures that people have often heard of but they don't know kind of what their contributions were yeah Um, so there was socrates socrates was very important for um, developing the earliest forms of like critical thinking and and debate um, and just asking questions and layering questions on top of questions to try to so if he 's in an argument with somebody he 's trying to get to the to where like there is some you know holes in their argument he was trying to find holes in people's arguments by continuing to ask questions to see like where their logic kind of went off yeah um so this is kind of he also was very important like i said critical thinking um and skills like that so the art of debating is this lost i always found debating very um enticing
0: right like it's, it's fun because it gives you a chance to show you're basically comparing with someone else the logical reasoning method that you use to get to a conclusion and when you're you know, I think people get in this habit of trying to always defend their position and, and their ideology when in reality, it's like, okay, I'm going to compare, you know, I think this is the truth on this topic. You think that's the truth. They're different. Let's let's really try and dig down and discover the root of where we branch off and disagree because people focus on superficial yeah. crap, right, or, or the minutiae. And it's like, well, where do we actually disagree?
1: And what's interesting about that, like as a side note, like logic, like you're saying, in order to form valid arguments, the what's interesting is that the 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 content arguments aren't valid by their content; they're valid by their logical form and their structure. <laughs> so they can you can actually be you can have a, actually have a logical argument for something even if the content is is not correct. Yeah. So those are two different things, but they need to be together because you can you can have something that's true, but you, your argument for it can actually not be of, of good logical form. Yeah. So therefore, y- your way of expressing it is not on point. Um so logic is that brings me to my next thing is like Aristotle was the first one to he is kind of coined uh the person who made logic uh popular or, or kind of it, not invented it but made it popular uh, and it's called Aristotelian logic but logic is kind of one of those one of those things it's the um the study of the form of a valid inference and we don't want to get too deep into it. you can go down the rabbit hole just on logic and stuff like that uh but it's basically like sound arguments it's um uh, it's how you, you form arguments, and, and that's very foundational in terms of what science was, uh, is to become, too, and it links well with, with critical sk- uh, thinking um, and reason. So, so like, reason is, is around this time, too, philosophers are talking about what is logic, what is reason. Reason's the capacity... Um, of consciously making sense of things. So establishing and verifying facts, applying logic and adjusting beliefs, institutions uh, based on new or existing information. So it's just like, how do we make sense of things using logic and using some of these tools around the time um, that this stuff was being developed? So this is, this is all stuff that uh, basically started the process of like essentially people thinking deeper about things. They're like, yeah. oh, there's like we want to try to figure out things and having a system for it. Exactly. Right? So we need like structures in order to in order to figure things out. We can't just like randomly figure things out. We need structures to put like filters to to put these thoughts through or these experiments through uh, or these questions through and see if they hold up. So logic, reason, all these. Um, and then if you fast forward to like the 17th century, you are starting to see more actual science so science as, a, as more of a, like a thing like an official thing uh, and that's when it officially became you know the the pursuit of knowledge so it kind of got away from the the natural philosophy and like science uh, a scientist was becoming something you you did or there's the, the term for it um isaac newton 1689 so so he invented the uh, kind of classical mechanics or newtonian mechanics so we're talking like the the origins of physics so mm-hmm. Um, this was the age of the enlightenment. So basically, scientific societies and these places where the, known as academies where, where science was actually done, they started to pop up. So and again, we're going to fast forward to today where science is done in these institutions as well. Yeah. But you're starting to see places where science was actually done. Um,
0: and That's then, where you see like physicists and biologists all these ists all these yeah like schools of science basically and
1: that was and that really became a thing in like the 19th century where it was like we started to delineate different branches of science officially like yeah like you say biology and like darwin's origin of species um 18 was in 1854 Hmm. so that it kind of like gives you a little time stamp of like okay, origin of species that was like a huge deal for uh, for biology um and, and evolutionary theory and all of that um and then that's kind of when the scientific method as we know it started to become more mainstream in more in like the nineteenth century. It was like a real explosion of science. Um and then you're gonna fast forward again into kind of late nineteenth, early twentieth century, uh, and then physics started to really explode. So you've got like Einstein and his theory of relativity and and all of that. And that's like that's is very recent in the grand scheme of like humanity. Mm-hmm. Um like all the way up to the nineteen hundreds and then continuing through there into the 2000s and to where we are now it's just continued to like explode but along the way i think people have gotten away from what it what it truly was and and just knowing like science is that pursuit of knowledge about the physical world or the world around us in general yeah and you know there's things like social science there's different branches of it too so but they're still trying to figure out knowledge about the world around us it's still knowledge of things so it's our way of trying to organize that uh and that is kind of that framework that i think that we need to get back to and understanding science isn't research and oftentimes we conflate it with that it's not necessarily research it's not necessarily a a scientist doing scientisty things in a lab (laughs) yeah it's not a dude with test tubes with massive glasses on exactly that is
0: a way that is a, a an expression of science a certain expression but that's you're right, like these base principles of just logical, rational ways of thinking about the world and putting them within a framework that are testable with experiments that are refutable. If you don't, if what you say or claim is the truth, you're telling that to me, I should be able to essentially prove or disprove whether that holds true based on my framework of putting it through the rigors of does it apply. Um, does rational thought confirm that does does the laws of logic or 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 my un- base principles of physiology does that align with your truth you know like we we each exactly. need to be individual agents of using the method of science at different levels right for like sure Like not cre- not everyone has to be in a lab to apply science like when you your day-to-day life can be filled with science is and and i think You're right. The perception of science is the dude with a test tube or a course you took in high school. But these base principles that essentially underlie the word science are so important, especially today. And that is what we have to kind of get back to.
1: So like along the way on that thought, there was there's a study called the philosophy of science. It's a whole other branch. And it actually is like considered, you know, it deals with the foundations of what science is, uh, their implications and all of that. So it's like their central question is what qualifies as science and that's the kind of the question we're asking today like what is science right um and it's been studied along the way and and like you say falsifiability is is one of the central tenets of that so can it be proven wrong um in general or if new information comes up or if new studies come about can something be proven wrong that's that's just key because a lot of like dogma or other forms of knowledge that can't be proven wrong in any way that's essentially defined as like pseudoscience or unscient- unscientific yeah. A- and it can't be truly considered science unless it's falsifiable and that was kind
0: of uh, where that was almost like an initial impetus for science is like if you're the king and you say something and that and you say that that's the truth well, you have a lot of power, and that's not – it removes the ability of people to be independent thinkers. So, you know, exactly. I feel like initially science was a defense against claims based on political or religious dogma, appeals to tradition, quote-unquote common sense, or just currently held beliefs, right? Like something is – if something is a commonly held belief until – something comes out to disprove that. Like you talked about the black swan, right? We always thought swans were whites. Everywhere that you went, swans were always white. So it was easy to say, swans are white. That is the truth, Mm -hmm. right? Until proven otherwise. Then someone sees a black swan. Well, all of a sudden that previous truth goes to shit because now there's new evidence showing that there now are also black swans. So it was basically, science was basically developed as a reliable way to demonstrate truth beyond just appeal to authority or believing what someone in power says is the truth. That's, that's important, important
1: because it it allows it allows us to kind of protect our almost protect ourselves from being from from others putting their their thoughts and their uh, agendas and their beliefs on on top of us without, you know, it allows us to have a tool to say, OK, well, let's apply it with this. Let's apply this tool to it and mm-hmm. let's see if what you're saying is actually true or if we can if we can start to uncover if it's true because a lot of science is is a work in progress it's like, and you know we'll get into that it's not one study is never going to prove or disprove something because again another study can come out to disprove what that study proved yeah. but it allows us to at least say okay let's just continue this open conversation um so we can try to objectively look at reality as opposed to just go with what this guy is saying right yeah. um so i think that's that's huge and you know, along with that philosophy of science this a big component of that is um is this trial and error? And this this guy called Karl Popper was one of these famous philosopher uh, philosophers of science. But he was saying trial and error is really again one of those things at the roots of what science is. So it's it's a fundamental method of problem solving. But it's basically just to manipulate variables until a result is reached or not reached. Yeah, and that's essentially what you're doing in science. And like base principles and. and, and uh, First principles are very important to apply to the scientific method because it become can become so complex with modern modern measure, tools of measurement, modern statistical analysis. It gets so jumbled up and complex, but it's like, let's just apply like fundamentals, logic, reason, first principles, thinking, trial and error, tinkering.
0: We okay. all do trial and error. We do it's, trial and error literally when we're babies, right? Like yeah. movement, the way to discover movement, how to move, how to walk, how to crawl how to support your own pumpkin, like your own head, is all through trial and error. You exactly. try a strategy, it either works, if you fall on your face, that was not a good strategy or... or
1: If you try multiple times you, and the same thing happens, you're going to discard that. Exactly. And then if you try a good strategy for multiple times and it's reproducible, you're going to continue to use that and then you're going to refine it over time and you're going to develop uh, kind of a schema for how that thing that you're studying yeah. works. The, the brain is a time. trial
0: and error processing machine. It's the most complex computer ever and we we inherently do trial and error yeah. But we don't we don't really think of it as trial and error or as experimentation, but we do do it. And, and it's more just connecting with the fact that that is underlying science is just trying something, seeing what the result was. Was that result you intended for? No. Well, let's try something else. Yeah. And that's really like fundamentally as physical therapists, when we treat someone, it is trial and error. It is an educated trial and error Program where this is the problem. This is what I think is going to help you. Let's try that, and if it doesn't work, next time we'll do something different. It's trial and error at its core.
1: Yeah, and so. we're informed by a bunch of other things we've learned before that period of time. We're informed by studies before that time, uh, by personal experiences, by clinical experiences clinical before that experience. time. Seeing patterns. Uh, seeing patterns before that time. But when it comes down to to dealing with a human, who is a uh, complex system then you really have to apply these you have to look beneath you you got to almost say look okay here's the what people think of as science here's the research and all that I'm gonna I'm gonna have that in my brain in the back Mm -hmm. of my head but I'm dealing with a complex system that may not follow these uh, single variant studies that that come out um, and they may be there might be one of the Thousands or millions of confounding variables might be applicable here. Um, Their psychology might be a factor here. So all of these confounding variables have to be applied um, in addition to using what we think of as science in order to treat somebody. Um, That's where it gets, there's a delineation between science, what what a lot of people think of, which is like conflating science with research. And I think that's a big problem is that that there are two different things. Research is a way that science is done and it's kind of an agreed upon way for better or for worse, of how uh, science should be done these days. And, in fact, a lot of research
0: is actually very poor science. Very poor. You true. actually dig into it and learn. And I think that's, exactly. you know, we'll get into that in terms of, you know, in order to say, in order to preach the result of a research study as truth or as valid or as applicable, you there should be this prerequisite that you should have to understand how to evaluate the methodology and also apply rationality and sound first principles to that study To determine whether or not it even can apply in terms of like whatever the results were whether those can apply to yourself or to other people and a lot of times those research studies don't really pass that filter very well if you actually know what to look for and what to evaluate and it's
1: complex so that's I think the problem lies in that once people see a research paper they they think that it's almost this like worship of science so they they the average person will just take that as true, yeah. And like you said, they haven't shot it through this rigorous filter of logic, reason, critical thinking, yeah. first principle, all that. Um, which once going through that, that's a very yeah, it, it's a it's a filter that actually will keep most things in the filter, right? <laughs> so the things that come out the other side of that are very small.
0: And everyone's got their own filter, right? Some people's filter is just like a <laughs> it's just like a a tube that things shoot through. Other people's filter is like a multi step process that filters through. All these different caveats for detecting bullshit. Yeah. And it, the more robust your filter is, the better idea you, the more,
1: the more you can get towards the truth, right? And guess what? The filter and the, re- the filter is the science. Yes. People think the research, yes, is the, the filter is the science. Um, and it's a big, it's it's probably the biggest part of the science. Um, the research is one part of it, but I think that most but people... the research still has to go through the filter. It has to go through the filter. And most people don't have a filter for it to go through. Yeah, um, Even scientists or even people in specific fields don't have that filter um, for it to go through and they're not applying the filter well. So, And the filter is the hardest thing to develop. Uh, and that kind of goes to all of these, these base Back to the history it 's like this is where it all came from. This is where people are trying to think of like how can we analyze the world with all of these tools of logic reason and all of that that's the foundation of it all, right yeah, and I think that's where people have struggled with is that that there's i think just yeah, like you say building the filter that's that's important but and there's things that like if you're being paid
0: to prove something, yeah. maybe it's in your interest subconsciously or consciously to make that filter a little bit more loosey goosey. Right. So that you can push something through the filter and claim that you put it through the filter and get the result that you're guessing is, you know, if you make your prediction, if you want to meet that prediction inherently, maybe your filter isn't as robust as it would be if you were being objective and didn't have a personal connection to that question. And we'll talk about that when we talk about research. But And then um, I think,
1: like, to your point, as a consumer of that knowledge uh, or research, it's important for you to apply that is one of the many filters is like who paid for this study. Yeah. Right. And where did it come from? And what are some underlying, what are some possible reasons why this study was done? Is there biases present? These are all things that, like you say, we'll get to. Do you I want think, to jump into the scientific method and, and what, what that is?
0: Yeah. And I think one last thing to say there to kind of wrap up that intro is just science is a tool. Mm-hmm. And tools are, you know, how well you know how to use the tool determines whether that tool is used for good or bad. Right. Like if you have a drill, you can use that drill to build to build something or you can use that drill to drill through your foot. And that's not a good idea to do. But if you don't know how to use the equipment, you can hurt yourself. If you don't know science is a tool, if you don't know how to apply the method of science, then you're not going to end up with a very good result. So it's Mm -hmm. a tool and it can be used or misused. And oftentimes, the people who you think are using science appropriately, these people that are literally paid to be scientists, sometimes don't abide by using the tool of science appropriately, whether it's, it's because there's, of other, there's other incentives at play or whatever the case may be. Um,
1: and I, I really and that's important because I think these days, science as a tool is being grossly abused. Yes. It's unfortunate because it's such an important tool that it's being... Um, and that's... It's it's yeah it's it's just something that we need to look deeper in because it's just swaying all of it's swaying the reality and convention and the way things are done yeah. and laws and it's swaying all of these things it's swaying our, our our health and and it's because a lot of it is because of the abuse of it uh, not because of science because it, underlying it it's it's like one of the most important tools that's ever been established as humans and and i think a big part of why we are who we are today so
0: and really being able to apply science well just means you're a good thinker yes right and that's one thing i we always talk about this how people people's ability to think deeply about topics or you know go deeper than just the superficial level of saying oh you know a fact or something like that people aren't very good thinkers anymore like you even debate with people or have conversations right the, the conversation can be it's not you can have a heated conversation um, about something, and it not be an argument, right? It's not confrontational. It's a, it's a, you know, pas- method. Basically. it's a passionate application mm-hmm. of determining who's using a better method to to obtain that truth. And I think a lot of You're people to find holes. Right? We're not teaching people how to be good thinkers anymore. Yeah. We're teaching them how to be shittier thinkers because we're, you know, things come up on Facebook or things come up on the internet that are trying to vie for your attention, and it's confusing people, and they have no tool to filter through the good information from the bad information so this is a very you know i think
1: and i think unfortunately too like emotion is a roadblock for for like these the methods that we're talking about of like critical thinking and science and cognitive dissonance if you've done
0: something a certain way for your whole life and now you you know number one you're probably not looking for evidence to disprove the way you think about it but number two if you do see that you're probably just going to discount the fact that that could be applicable and so you need something that puts it through that rigorous filter to Mm -hmm. really that's your objective way of determining whether it's valid or not and people need to understand even at a base level how to apply those filters so
1: and it's hard but that's the pursuit. That's yeah. the initial pursuit. It's the pursuit of knowledge. Yeah. So as a human, it's, I think it's just a really, you, you can have your own pursuit. You, you can have, you can personalize science to you and try to find out what is, what is true about the universe and go on your own path and use the, the things of what other people have, have discovered along the way. But then again, apply it through your own filter. That's kind of a, it's a cool way of looking at at it is that you have your own pursuit of the truth. Um, and, the more objective you are like it's all about like are you there's no point in lying to yourself like mm-hmm. it's it's all it's all about trying to like why would you do that right so so you might as well try to find out the actual truth that yeah. this like f- this weird thing where we want to like yeah I think a lot of people are just not not trying to find the actual truth or, or once mm-hmm. they get set on it once they find a truth that agrees with with them or well, it's their easy. Motives, it's easy to then, accept something that you yeah.
0: agree with or that you currently accept as it's easy to look for confirmation of your own existing truth. And it's hard to constantly challenge your truths. Yeah, Which essentially is a way to build up and make, make those truths stronger, right? You should always, I always tell people with the footner program, the goal is to always try and have conversations with the smartest people that disagree with the way we're doing things, because yeah. that is the best opportunity to learn as to whether or not your way of thinking of things or your method holds up in the stadium of discussion, right? In the stadium of mm. defending things using the methods of science and and rational thinking. Um, so yeah, let's get into, uh, what did you want to get
1: into well, next? I'm just gonna, the scientific method is, is something, yeah, it's kind be of, it's, it's newer. So it's in the 19th century, basically seeps to objectively explain events in nature in a reproducible way so the scientific method can be broken down into like experimental design and things like that but you're essentially trying to have a, more of a, a structure to finding things out um, and you're trying to the key word here in this all is reproducible and that, and that's one of the talking points that we'll, we'll discuss is that a lot of science is often not reproducible meaning if if multiple people did the same experiment would they come to the same conclusion or not um, and I think that's that's huge because there's there's Uh, random chance there's uh, confounding variables there's complex systems there's all these things that can actually give you a result but when the, the next person does it it's not the same or you know so that's kind of one of the many factors that that needs to be considered when you're trying to find an actual truth about the universe or some or what we would sometimes call a scientific theory which is okay a theory is established once multiple uh, m- multiple studies or multiple experiments come to a very similar conclusion. Then we can kind of be more confident in saying, okay, like the same thing is coming out all the time. This must be, you know, it's not going to be the absolute truth because maybe mm. in future something that we've never even, maybe we didn't even have a tool that could measure what we, yeah. we try to measure. Theories are still fluid. Theory, everything about always open is to fluid. be proven wrong. That's that's the very interesting part about as science is that is that it's it's forever changing and all sciences we know it right now could. Technically, be misguided or, or or I wouldn't I don't want to say wrong, but what's interesting is that we keep uncovering like different layers to things, and and that's kind of very confusing too. So it's like there's this interesting example of like building building muscle. So this was used in the book uh, Anti Fragility, but Nassim Taleb he he said okay so. We've known for forever that, like, if you lift heavy things, the the more if you're a manual laborer or if you even since the advent of like weightlifting, if you lift heavy things, your muscles grow and you get stronger. Yeah. So, but then we we try to apply that through the scientific method. And we say, okay, well, we want to know why why is that? Um, but we can't forget the initial thing is we we already know the truth that when we lift heavy things, we get stronger over time. Mm-hmm. So for one period of time, we thought it was. Uh, you know the tearing of muscle fibers and the regrowth of that muscle fibers, and then we started to think, uh, see that okay, there's also hormonal deeper than that. There's hormonal factors that when you lift heavy things, hor- hormones are released, and is that getting you stronger? Um, there's the nervous system. So it's like we're always uncovering. We might find out there's a new thing of why we're getting stronger, and we're always fighting and debating why are we getting stronger. But the the baseline thing is if you lift heavy things, you get stronger. Mm-hmm. So I think that's another that's this is all I was like first principles thinking is like we can't confuse ourselves just because we don't know the actual mechanism behind things. Yeah. And that is that is very common these days. We're like, hey, uh, like foam rolling. Like, for instance, in our field, it's like foam rolling. It doesn't do this. It does this and this and this. It's like, okay, well, wait a minute. Well, like, w- let's discuss, like, if we have a question, does it work for this thing? Does it get to the goal we're trying to accomplish? If the answer is yes, we can debate all we want about uh, what is it actually doing. But if it, if it's like, quote unquote, working and yeah. getting the result. Is it accomplishing the goal? Then okay we can still use it even though so that begs the question can we use something or should we use something if we know it works but we don't know the mechanism and a lot of people on the internet seem to think that we need to know the mechanism of behind something in order to use the thing right this
0: is oh my god you see this all the time The, the the few times that i read comments it's like you'll say if you spend less time sitting in a chair with your hip at 90 degrees you're less likely to get stuck in hip flexion like you will improve your hip extension by just spending less time in hip flexion people are like where's the study bro show me a study yes it's like well do you really need a study to tell you that you know like first principles if you put a joint in a certain position for long periods of time it starts to get stiff in that position can we agree on that
1: if you put a cast on your arm for six weeks and you take it off is the joint very stiff and are the muscles around it stiff? exactly
0: like we really need to like hair back down to first principles and like a joint that doesn't get moved gets stiff a muscle that gets loaded gets yes. stronger a muscle that doesn't get loaded get it atrophies and gets weaker like yes. if we can agree on these moving things moving more is better then it's really not that hard to extrapolate to you know wearing shoes that don't let your feet articulate and move will make your foot stiff wearing shoes that support the arch of your foot will make your foot weak like these are base principles we have to just yes. be mindful of this
1: and i think that the what it is i think that's an attempt to go against The kind of the polar opposite of that, it would be like making uh, profound claims on something. Right. So so making uh, profound claims on on a topic and saying um, and then people asking, you know, uh, what I think people just want to know, like, have you like, where does it come from? Right. So but the problem there is that people like it's not always going to be in the form of a perfectly laid out study on yeah. that subject because that yeah. doesn't exist most studies on exactly. most things aren't there so and and most studies um start are, are univariate variant so it's like they'll study one small topic but the but it won't give an argument for the larger topic that we're talking about so it's like there's no study that says that there's there's these five studies that show this there's this study that shows that there's this study that shows that so we can use these studies to make again a logical argument if we apply critical thinking skills to it and therefore that can lead us to us saying that this is um, this is true and this has something to it because of these other studies and this other research that's done in the past but there's no one magical study that shows everything it's it's like yeah uh,
0: and guess what shit is not black and white it's not no. this or this because guess what context makes a massive difference and you can have 20 studies showing that you know people that do this get this result but guess what if you apply that to yourself and you're not living the same life or have the same history of your body of the people whose bodies were used for that study it might not apply to you it's complex it depends right and the only way to evaluate whether those studies can give you advice that's useful to you is to try it
1: so I think that let's talk about that because that's a good talking point that I had is that the the complex systems problem when with science Um, humans being basically the the most complex system we know of so if you're trying to study a complex system like a human the amount of confounding variables that will be present (laughs) that are that are possible to be present is is just astronomical and and if you are trying to really pare down and isolate certain variables. You, you, there's, there's some sense of impossibility to to isolate variables when you're studying a human. It's just yeah. a, especially when you're studying like their health, for instance. Well,
0: let's talk about like experimental design. So when you design an experiment, you're trying to isolate variables, right? In yeah. order to to find out whether what effect one variable has, you have to isolate variables and humans are super complex machines with many interdependent systems and multiple variables at play at all times so if you try and discover a truth when it comes to the human body by isolating all these other variables to just focus on one single variable well guess what whatever truth whatever conclusion you end up with is not going to be a very broad applying conclusion because that's only one tiny snippet that's one percent of the information when it comes to how the body functions and so that it ha- that has to be considered for sure right like science on humans must be taken with a grain of salt because it by nature of how you design experiments it cannot tell you big overarching yeah. truths
1: and it, there i I would argue that there's a, a lot of I think that is the the art of science is that like how can we beautifully design it's the art and the technical aspect of it too because that being said certain experiments can be designed way better and and you could almost look at them be like oh my god they they covered for a lot of things and 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 I can take this more seriously than this study that they just they were way off like you know, like a few things basically like sample size like things like sample size the methods that they used so the variables that they were uh, accounting for or or uh, adjusting for um the study design how the study was designed tracked how stats were used on it uh, the interventions used the confounding factors and how they were adjusted for so i think that the a good scientist will try their best to objectively create a an experiment or uh, design an experiment that tries to adjust for as many of these as we can and then we would looking at these research methods it's up to us to say okay did this person do their due diligence to try at least to cover as many of these confounding variables as possible yeah or was it just complete shit show? which many studies if you look Just like peer at the methods and you'll immediately see like, oh, like we can almost discard this right away because of the these methods. And unfortunately, most people don't know how to look at methods and critically analyze methods of of studies,
0: including me. Like we know more than we literally took a course in school about research, study methodology so that, you know, this whole thing about evidence based practice and making sure that you're practicing according to the best available evidence at that time um, requires you to be able to evaluate research studies and i i really think there should be this rule where if you are not allowed to quote or mention a research study unless you've number one read the study as a whole fully from start to finish i'm not talking like most people read the abstract they're like oh that's interesting they read the results okay that's the truth like this study showed this it's like okay did you read the methodology? Did you read through their experimental design to make sure that the sample size was big enough, the variables that they measured were accurate, the audience that they, um, the actual study subjects are close enough and related enough to the people that you're trying to exp- extrapolate these results to? Like this is a very deep process, and you and should what not. What about be-
1: all the other studies? What about that word reproducible? Is yeah. there anything else that? Shows what other studies
0: sense? show the same thing? But you should not be allowed to quote a study as being as the results being true. Um, and preaching it as the truth, unless you've done your due diligence to examine how that research was done, what other studies have shown, are there any other studies to disprove what that thing proved? Like, There is a much deeper requirement than what people are using right now. In fact, people don't even look at the conclusion anymore. All they do is read a headline on Facebook and then preach it as the truth. It's like, oh, I saw a research study showed bacon causes cancer. And not "Mm -hmm." only that. Well,
1: I don't know about that. So the underlying study wasn't looked at, but then you've also got the the media company who's actually just completely butchered the actual, so <laughs> yeah. it's like two completely out of, context. of <laughs> two layers of butchery. And, and uh, <laughs> I think that's, and that brings me to like the cherry picking problem. So a lot of people on your point is that a lot of people will want to prove their, they have an agenda to prove or they have a the point to prove. So they, the fact that we, re- we worship science these days, it, be, it makes it so that they'll pick a study and they'll say, aha, I got you because this yeah. study says this. And you see this all the time and it, and then it's just like this like fight of studies. But then what's interesting is that you'll see another person come back and be well, go, well this study shows the exact opposite of that. And then it's like but <laughs> well, this like it's like okay what we're seeing here is that really we don't know yet. Because yeah, yeah, there's exactly. two different studies that are so two, two. so you, you can cherry pick all these studies to your liking and you can try to form an argument and Hey, I think everybody is guilty for this because any paper that you do, or any book that you write, or, or any any sort of like argument that you're trying to back up with science, you are consciously or even subconsciously cherry picking research that's going to best inform you. And sometimes it can be, sometimes it can be done in a in a tasteful way, in a way that's respectable because, again, you're you're honestly trying to find research yeah. that. But I think you you just got to do your due diligence just to look at the stuff that, like you say doesn't go with your point of view and and also kind of give that uh the airtime so it's not just uh the the few studies that might uh yeah it's very you have
0: to be open to criticism like if you do a research study and you put it out into the world and people you know i went to this uh footwear biomechanics symposium and people are presenting their research they have 10 minute slots so you present your research for eight minutes the abstract conclusion the methods blah, blah blah and then you have two minutes where people go up to microphones and fire questions at you well what about did you what about this variable or how did you measure this or could there be? you know like you're basically putting your if you do research put it out to the world to try and describe some sort of truth you have to be open to people criticizing your methods and and look at it not as something that you need to defend, something that you need to say, well, yes, I considered it in this way, or I eliminated that variable in this way. And you're basically, every single person that asks you a question and criticizes the way you did your research is a opportunity to either learn how you can do that research better next time, or to build a more robust case that your research is actually accurate.
1: Which is essentially what the peer review process should, should be. be. And many, there's journals that are, are more renowned than others, but I think that we also got to take a serious look at, because there's, like I, I've seen the, on Joe Rogan's podcast, there was, the, there was these, these guys who were actually uh, giving, submitting studies to, to papers, um, and, and they were getting published, and there was complete nonsense in these papers. One was about um, how
0: pigs could fly, and yeah. they paid enough money, and a Red people journal published their article as science. This is part of the problem when money gets involved.
1: And that's a, a gro- like that's an extreme example, but these these guys actually got in trouble for submitting these completely false uh studies and and what you're finding is like oh so what we thought of as like again the problem of worshipping science we thought that that was like the absolute truth and what came out of the these because it was published in some sort of paper we call a scientific paper it's the truth right yep. um but wait a minute, not necessarily. Uh, it could be complete garbage. It could be partial garbage. Um, or it could be very misinformed. It could be temporarily right, but then disproven wrong. Yeah. We don't know. And, um, and then money enters the mix. So now we...
0: Like who's funding the study? Who's funding the one. study?
1: Who's the gatekeepers of these these journals that, that studies are published in? And then that begs the question, too, is like to be taken seriously, something that you have to be published in a major journal or a renowned journal... So does that really limit how science is done? Do now we have these gatekeepers of science, and it's like, oh shit! Yeah. There's these few gatekeepers, and like, ah, you you have to go through us now with
0: alternative motives, and, as we saw with that thing where they paid to publish bullshit.
1: And and I would argue that like the more renowned ones are probably more uh, are more stringent you know, stringent than that. But but at the same time, it's like we're very we're putting a limit on science or or research because of that as well. Um, so that that kind of makes it. That almost puts like a governor on science, where very, very important, because I think that found fundamental principles and studies should be applied through this like stringent peer review process however it it doesn't mean that you can't apply these scientific principles, do um, other forms of research and science um, on a smaller scale that doesn't have to be put through these institutions yeah, right exactly so
0: well, you talked about clinical science, like this database of information that you have in your brain of you know a thousand people that you've treated over the course of your career and you've seen, and like, realistically, it's a lot of the same pattern, right? People all have the same problems. They, they sit all day, they don't move. So they've been, you know, a lot of the patterns you see are, are very, um, repetitive. And if you apply an intervention with someone and, and help someone fix themselves in a certain way, and it works. And then you apply it on the next patient you see that pattern with if you do that 50 times, and you see a positive result in every single one of those people, that is a powerful database of clinical science that is not published in a journal that is not formalized with experimental design and all this kind of stuff. It is a, you know, n of 50 research study that you have done and tried to refine over time to get to the best intervention to treat or to get rid of this issue. Exactly, and I think people underestimate that as a source of science, right? And it's
1: and is it reproducible? Well, that's you could argue that you're well, reproducing, it's reproducing it every it time for you, for you. It's yeah. reproducible, um, and maybe for people that you you teach. And then the other part of that, it, it gets so it gets so complex because you're actually probably better at dealing with a lot of these other, uh, let's say, a study is. Is published it's like random people who are doing the intervening they're they're doing they're putting people through so you have your own way of of doing things too so i think you're adjusting for personally as a clinician adjusting for many of these even subconscious confounding variables in terms of like oh i've seen it's all pattern recognition right so mm-hmm. oh i've seen this type of person before you're putting it through this kind of broad experiential uh you know filter, filter right and, and that's. Uh, that's important because it's like, oh, it might be a psychological thing that I'm going to say something different because if i just looked at a research study it wouldn't say that hey if this type of person comes in you need to say things this way instead (laughs) of that way yeah instead because no it's just like hey do screen a on person test it's so it's so um, simplified but it's like no no no. i'm going to treat this person differently because i see these things that i've seen uh, hundreds and thousands of times um, and i think it's going to work if i say it this way not that way so these are very nuanced things that i think are are very important Um, so that's where it gets complex but we can't discard or discount that uh, yeah. out of it
0: personal experience is important and you know back to this whole thing of evidence-based practice you know the, the problem there is you know if you look at let's look at um, drug companies are notorious for this so cherry picking results or cherry picking mm-hmm. studies so a drug company wants to get drug a passed they have to prove that it's better than placebo so they'll do 50 studies if 48 of those studies say that that drug is not only Not better than placebo, but it actually messes you up royally. But two of those studies show that the drug, you know, based on the experimental design, they found a way to show that that drug is better than placebo. They can put 48 of those studies in a drawer, lock it up. No one ever sees it. They can publish the two studies that prove that it was effective. And guess what? They can cherry pick the results to show that this drug is better than placebo. And then the drug gets passed. And 48 of 50 studies showed that not only was it not effective, it actually harms people, but no one ever hears about that. This is where the cherry picking and the essentially being really choosy in the interest of what you're trying to prove or sell can really make this a muddy space because no one sees that, but it is happening and it happens so much. It'll make your brain explode. It's money. Money. Exactly.
1: So once money gets into it, now this, this like, this, Amazing tool we have is now getting just abused for for many different reasons. Money being probably the probably the main one. I yeah. would say that that's the biggest thing that's actually um, making it a money area. And like you say, it's like we can uh, we can throw out studies that don't agree with what we're trying to prove. We can also uh, manipulate statistics and statistical analysis. Unless you're a st- statistician, <laughs> it's like that's a weird space. It's it's like okay, I can apply different. I can put it through the filter of statistics and make it show something. And this term statistically significant, it's like, okay, well... We just take it for we just take it as is. A lot of us they're like, hey, is that st- statistically significant? So what does that mean? Um, and when you find out things like placebo are often uh, almost as as good in studies as the actual drug itself, yeah. you're like, okay, well, what does that can even mean? Because a placebo pill almost did as good as your drug. So so what are we talking about here? Yeah, and like, a placebo does
0: not have side effects that include death and constipation <laughs> exactly. and a long list. And I think this brings us to the next point. It's not to say. With that said there are limitations of science, that is one of them being able to cherry pick results and only publish results that prove whatever you're trying to prove. But it's not to say that science needs to be thrown at all together, because it is unbelievably important. And I think it just has to be used optimally. And, you know, part of this is, everything should be taken, even something that's gone through the, a rigorous filter of science with a moderate dose of skepticism. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what is skepticism? It's not just believing someone, something that someone tells you as, you know, someone really smart, a university professor, if they tell you something, you still, I'm not saying you should just try and prove it wrong, but you should always have this moderate dose of skepticism where it's like, okay, that makes logical sense through my filter of experience. I think that kind of does make rational sense, I'm going to try and make sure that that's actually the truth. So I'm going to look into it myself, whether I try it on my own body or ask them questions, whether I do some it. research, yeah, ask them questions about how they got to that conclusion. This moderate dose of skepticism is very important and no one is skeptic. No one like we should be more skeptic now than ever before. Yeah, not so much to the point where it paralyzes us, but also it needs to be something where you. I never accept anything as the truth until I prove it to myself. For sure. And proving it to yourself depends on the degree of rigor that you apply to knowledge before you say, okay, this is legit. And the beauty about health is that you have a study subject available to you at all times that can be honest if you're honest with yourself and that's your own body, right? Mm -hmm. If someone says, oh, doing this will improve your ankle mobility. Well, guess what? You can call bullshit until it's actually true and you can prove it on yourself. If you have an ankle mobility restriction, you do what that person says, did it work or not? If it didn't, it doesn't mean it was completely wrong, but it tells you, like you have a way to prove it to yourself, prove shit to yourself. And in the world of health it's very powerful
1: things like diet too use these principles of tinkering and trial and error on yourself because as we know like not every diet is good for everybody and even though there's there's handfuls of studies that say oh you know the ketogenic diet is good or, or this other diet is good it's like okay well it still might not be best for you um so so you just need to apply the these scientific methods the, these base layers that we talked about at the beginning to it on yourself um and again because really, it's like, what if, as a thought experiment, let's say that there was like, studies came out and they're like, this is the way we need to eat. But every time you ate that way, you like shit your pants, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay, well, even though there's a lot of science on it, <laughs> I shit my example. pants every time. So when I don't eat that thing, I don't. And I feel a lot better. Oh, okay, well. Even though science, all of science says this, I'm still not going to do this because yeah. for me, I don't feel the best. Exactly. So I think that's also important to consider is that because we're so complex, it, can be, it really has to be individualized as well, but it can be well informed by all the other studies I at the think, same time. I
0: think one of the biggest areas, one of the biggest pillars of health where the method of science has been butchered and just beaten to a pulp is the world of food, is the world of nutrition, right? And it's like, you can prove that like there's so many fat like there should not be these transitional fads in what we eat Every freaking 20 years, this is the craziest thing ever. It shows you that science knows nothing about food, basically. Yeah. Right? If they say, oh, fat is good. No, wait, fat is bad. Oh, wait, no, salt is good. No, salt is bad. It's like, make up your friggin' mind. You don't know. So stop yeah. putting these things out there. And the problem is, is that whatever they want to prove or whatever science they want to put out there, if they say, oh, fiber is good. Well, guess what? Every food that's not real food, it's engineered food, can now say high fiber on the box. And if that's the trend in quote unquote science people think that that's a good thing to eat when in reality, it's not real food and it's not going to give you the nutrients you need to actually function as a human. So I think think it's it's really made it so complex and and I just made it such muddy waters in something so fundamental as what you need to put in your mouth. That's the biggest reason we're starting to get into food now because it's just, it's a bad space.
1: Back to... The logic, critical thinking, and first principles. It's like, what did our human ancestors eat? Yeah. So a lot of people are looking at ancestral knowledge principles. is powerful. Yeah. It's just, okay, here's what we have generally eaten for over time, and then applying the n equals one part of it to here's how I feel good when I eat this be, because I know that my ancestors probably ate this. And I know that there's some also some good studies. You almost have to take it all and then yeah. let, apply it to you. Um, and, and I think it's just, it's just, like you say, muddy water by by nature of just trying to study humans again. And it's, it's, and it's almost
0: like science has gotten in the way of us just really thinking of, like, we never used to need experts to tell us what to eat. We're yeah. probably supposed to eat things that either grew in the ground or run around before they're killed. Let's just bring it back to, okay is this artificially made in a factory or is this something that would have occurred naturally a thousand years ago? Very true. Like that's really, that's a really easy filter to put your food choices through that doesn't work. That is the application of science, but it does not involve you needing to read research paper or consult a quote unquote food expert to tell you what is good for you to put in your mouth.
1: And it's the same thing of like, we don't necessarily need, it's this like wanting to have a mechanism for why this is good. It's like, this is, this thing to eat is good because it does this at a cellular level and it and it helps mitochondria do this and this and this (laughs) and it's like okay well cool again the the weightlifting example but we've always known that this food is good so we don't necessarily need to know that or if there's a study that said oh it might be doing this to her instead of that and then people are like oh it's not doing that um but again that's confusion for the average person it's like hey this food's makes me feel good so i i eat it and, and there's a lot of variables
0: me. even in food it's like okay you want to do a test and see if um this certain vegetable is good for you well are you talking about the chemicals that we put on that vegetable now to be able to grow it in nutrient poor soil like there's there's so many variables where you can just cherry pick and say oh if you eat broccoli it's, it makes you sick it's like yeah. okay, well, is it the broccoli making you sick? Because we've eaten broccoli for a long time, or is it the chemicals we now put on the broccoli, or the way we've engineered that strain of broccoli in modern society? And then what that's else are you sick. eating? Yeah, and, and like, it's
1: like how much of it are you eating? When are you eating? Exactly. What other things are you doing in your life? Because what you eat. Even simple factors are like if you're a stressed individual, your digestive system is not going to function um, the 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 same as somebody who's a, not a. And I'm talking like yeah, if you're an overstressed individual and in a sympathetic state all the time, um, and you're not in rest or digest mode, you're yeah. not going to process food. And this Man, is I'm
0: learning that now, and it's blowing my mind because you're yeah, right. If you're driving in a car from one meeting to the next, you're stretched. You're stressed to the tits because you're late for the next meeting. You're driving a metal. A metal machine that automatically puts you in this heightened state of stress and then you're shoving non-nutrient dense food in your mouth do you really think that that food is going to get absorbed adequately no No.
1: or maybe you are eating quote-unquote healthy food but you you work in a cubicle and your boss yells at you every day when you're eating lunch (laughs) and 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 you and you sleep for two hours a night uh and 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 you have and you're going through a, a divorce so so maybe the diet is not the thing that's causing you yeah. to to have digestive issues so again it, it it's just human it's humans so yeah it's tough but but you have to but it's back to this whole it's trying to
0: real cuz this is a this podcast is a hard topic to talk about cuz it goes so deep right and you don't want to lose people by talking about something really conceptually when really we're trying to give people actionable advice and i think the the a big thing there is just be honest with yourself and experiment with yourself. Control variables. If, if yeah. science is about controlling variables, well, you know, if you want to determine whether your acne is because of stress or is because of the food you're eating, pick one of the variables, modify it, get it under control, and then you isolate for the other one, right? Mm-hmm. If you're eating really clean food, real food, um, and your acne is still there, maybe it's due to the stressors in your life, right? Like stressful interactions that you have at work, or maybe it's because of sleep. And as long as people know the variables that they can modify and how they can modify them to put them in an optimal state, then they have all the tools they need to be able to do science on their own bodies and determine what is best for them to be healthy.
1: You can be running multiple experiments. we need to give people. Yeah, so you can actually, what we're trying to say is that, the whole point of this is that we need to, I think, first of all, agree on what science is at a baseline level. Mm -hmm. And then I think we need to, instead of looking at just science as research, looking at scientific, t- scientific thinking and principles as, as things that we can all apply to our own lives. So if we apply these fundamental principles, we can be running, like you say, an experiment or even multiple experiments. We can be running social experiments in our, or in our own lives. We can be running diet experiments. We can be running exercise experiments. We can be running all of these experiments even simultaneously and, and trying to, like I say, adjusting little things like, oh, if I wake up and I go for a walk every day for six weeks, Oh, I'm I'm feeling better. That's a that's an experiment, and again, it might not be put through the rigor of what we call like the peer review process. But it is it's something it it is truth because it's personal truth for you at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we all need to be better at applying applying it and not not leaving it. It's almost like we leave science to the scientists, and it's like yeah. oh shit, whatever the scientists say, I'm going to do. Yeah, and then it's you're like, basically
0: saying you're shipping your
1: the truth you're sending to off other people.
0: your thinking process to yeah. other people this yeah. is a, this is a dangerous thing to do right don't outsource your thinking no. understand a rational and sound thinking method and apply it in your day-to-day life yeah. at whatever level makes sense for you or will benefit you another thing i want to talk about is we talked about this correlation versus causation yes because i think they get mixed up a lot and i i <laughs> greg rose shout out to greg rose he's just a super smart dude he's part of the uh, functional movement screen team titleist performance institute he Talk, I think it was last year, performed Better, he said, did you know that people commit more robbery when, when ice cream is served, people commit more robberies? So it's like, okay, well, when ice cream is served, the rate of ice cream being served and the rate of robberies go up together. That must mean that when people eat ice cream, they, they're more likely to commit robbery. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, no, those both occur highest in the summer. So during the summer months, people are more likely to rob people because it's not freezing cold. You know, not think of Canada. And also during the summer, we serve ice cream. It doesn't mean eating ice cream makes people rob people. It, you know, that's a correlation. That's not a causation. Yeah. And so we really need to, that is a hard one to isolate. And I think it doesn't get isolated enough. What people say is causation is really just correlation.
1: That is, and that is like, exactly. That's like a very easy example to see. it. And I think this problem goes really deep because as humans we want to find we we love causation we love to think this causes that but because it lets us make sense of the world which is all we're trying to do exactly when you when you listen to a lot of the best like philosophers in the world even at present time they will tell you that even the things that we are pretty sure are causation because they've been put through in scientific river are still just correlation yeah (laughs) it's very like some some thinkers out there think it's it's almost impossible to get causation. It's very, very hard to isolate when it isolate. comes to human. When it comes to humans and, and a yeah. bunch of other things too, I mean, it's it makes sense. It, it's but again, it. It, it, that's one of those things. That I think it's just something interesting to note. But at a baseline level, just thinking about the correli- correlation versus causation thing in your own in your own life, because we can be tricked in a, in a lot of in a lot of cases, and and I think that's science as a profession needs to be better at that too when when studying humans
0: yeah so in terms of let's kind of bring it back um and kind of wrap it up so i think one thing that uh the Foot collective is going to aim to do like we have we've put it in terms of like a code that part of the um revenue that gets generated from footnerds giving seminars and workshops is dedicated to a tfc research fund And that research fund, you know, you look at research studies, you're thinking, okay, well, who's doing who's funding these studies, because the reality is that a really rigorous, elegant study takes money to do someone has to run the stats, someone has to um, collect the data, all that kind of stuff. I think in terms of the data collection, we want to create features within the app that allow people to essentially you know, if you've got tight ankles, we want to put an ankle algorithm within the app and it's free and it basically lets you get instructions stepwise of these are variables that you can work on to improve your ankle mobility. And after you work, you know, try this and then measure your ankle mobility and see yeah. if it changed. And essentially what it does is it gives us this massive pool of anonymous data to say this intervention gave this result, this intervention gave this result. So we have this massive data collection tool that we, mm-hmm. you know, that's anonymous that can help with that. But then the other part is okay, we have all this data, let's pay people to objectively look at this data and analyze it and see what it comes up with. And I think having a research fund from a health education company that has no ulterior motive improving something, we just want to find the truth is going to be a very powerful way to fund research when this thing scales and and more revenues coming in, because it allows us to do unbiased research It allows us to go to Irene Davis or Daniel Lieberman, very smart people in the world of science and say, what is the best? What is What research do you think is most powerful to do based on the problems that you see? And how can we design an experiment um, that allows us to do objective research and and rigorous science to determine whether that's the truth or not or whether that's appropriate to recommend to people or not? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm I'm super excited for when that becomes a reality because I think um, data collection is one of the big, very expensive things to do. And if you can give someone a free platform where they can access education, but can also mark their progress anonymously. And that gives you pieces of data. Um, that's very powerful.
1: Yeah. Cause it has to be like empirical evidence is, is yep. like changes. You can see with your, with your own eyes basically yep. and measure over time. And you so. have to
0: teach people obviously how to very reliably and accurately measure their ankle range motion, for example, to determine a change mm-hmm. and, um, but it allows you to get like sample sizes in the thousands without having requiring everyone to come to one specific spot, you can basically decentralize data collection. And obviously, there's going to be some error people that don't measure it properly. But overall, if you have a 10,000 person sample size, and you've done a really good job of expressing this is how you need to measure it to get an accurate, um, I, to get an accurate screen every time you check your ankle range, I think we can do something pretty special to basically create an algorithm to say, okay, try these things. This has worked for a lot of people in the past. And if we tweak that algorithm very slightly, how does that change either the rate of progress or the amount of progress that people are getting for a variable like, for example, ankle range of motion or balance? Or we can apply that to anything, right? Back pain, whatever. Mm -hmm. But you can kind of put together this pooled collective knowledge or or this collective basically research that's being done by helping people, but by understanding how what you're getting people to do is affecting their bodies. So, um, but I think, you know, the big premise today is, underneath the method of science there is this logical rational appeal and 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 use of first principles where we can all agree on we have to find points of agreement before we can then layer on you know where we disagree and i think that's important it's not you know the these things all require context instagram has zero context right so we need to get back to having like in-person conversations instead of arguing online but knowing that we each have a responsibility to apply the scientific method in whatever, you know, layer of depth that is, to making sure that acquiring knowledge or putting knowledge out there is actually reflecting the truth and not just something that you want to spread out there whether your motive is selling something or whatever.
1: It's almost energy draining for me to 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 even look at some of the argument threads going back and forth <sighs> yeah, uh, with it's people. It's toxic sometimes. Hurling, but even people who are like clinicians in our in our field, I've seen posts where they're hurling research studies back and forth at each other um <laughs> over the course of like over the course of sometimes days where it's like you know each hour there's and it's like, oh my God, like this could have been cleared up face to face probably within within an hour, and again, that's maybe not reasonable but if these people talked it out uh, yeah. in, you know, still on the internet, they could even just call each other, like FaceTime each other or something and be like, hey, it's this weird thing where it's like a showy thing too. Yeah. So like, it's like, well, why would we do that? We want to show people, right? We, so we want to put it on the, we want to put it out there. But But if they, they could even film that. But it's like, hey, instead of going back and forth in comments with like huge paragraphs for two days long, why don't we go on FaceTime and talk for an hour and then we can still put that online. Why don't we do that more? Yeah, and and I think it's just and
0: have a logical conversation, right? Like these, I yeah. think the art of debate, the art of like law, lo- having a logical, rational conversation where it's okay that you disagree, but respecting each other to the point where you're both being unemotional about this. And and I think that's the problem is most people are trying to defend an ideology where they have a personal connection to what mm-hmm. they're trying to prove. And so and so when you put out a, a a statement that's disproving something, they basically interpret it as a personal attack. And then they try and use these basically like cheap shots to try and hack away at your position because they're feeling vulnerable that their personal identity is being challenged. And that's not, yeah. this is a very unhealthy way to have discussions and discover the truth. Right. Hmm. And, and I, I really think that's a big part of the problem is people just have lost. You, know, you look at a platform like Joe Rogan where people have three hour conversations to really arrow out a topic and put it through the rigor. Joe's a very good interviewer, right? He's a good bullshit detective. And, um, and I think that's a powerful medium for having the conversations that we need to have because it's like this lack of context, little snippets of information jabbing at each other through, through the matrix on social media is a terrible way, especially when especially when you see health professionals doing it. Like it's really not that's not cool. That's not appropriate, right? And
1: then it confuses everybody. Exactly. Just looking at it.
0: Exactly. And so we just we need to all agree on the principles of science. We need to be stewards of applying those principles. If we're if we're if you're in a position of teaching others stuff or helping others as health professionals, you really need to to pay some attention to the to the method of science and just making sure that what you're saying has gone through that filter and and as time goes on increasing the the effectiveness of your filter right Mm -hmm. like you should always be in order to discover the truth you need to be better at understanding how to evaluate objectively whether something is true or not and like we said before in the world of health you have a body you can test everything that people say on yourself to get your own version of whether that holds up because like you said if a thousand articles say eat this and you shit your pants every time you eat it this is probably not a good thing to listen to so um just use you know common sense is not that common unfortunately but i think hopefully podcasts like this help people feel empowered that they have the ability to evaluate information they receive and are not just passive recipients of quote unquote science or journal articles they're you know they're receiving the information but then they have their own filter system to put it through to determine whether or not it's something they should tell other people or implement themselves. So anyway, we hope you enjoyed that podcast. And it helped to kind of clear the air on science. I'm sure there will be follow up podcasts on this topic. Um, But yeah, have a great day.